Hello and welcome back to the Not Another Runner podcast. Thank you so much for joining today. I am so thankful that you have downloaded this episode and that you choose to listen today. I've had an awful cold all week, so hopefully I'll be able to get through this introduction without losing my voice. Um, So today's episode is something I couldn't wait to publish. The guest today is a fellow Welshman, the very first Welsh guest of the podcast, and someone I have followed on social media for a long while now. I'd actually heard of this guest back on another podcast, God, over a year ago now, whilst I was training for the London Marathon. And I remember listening, thinking, wow, this guy is crazy. <laughs> like, what he has achieved. I was just bewildered by his achievements. He is an ultra runner from Penarth, Cardiff, South Wales. His name is Rhys Jenkins. He was an Olympic torchbearer in the London Olympics in 2012 as recognition for the money he has raised for charity. He has, to this present day, raised over £100,000 for charity over the years. He has completed some crazy runs during his time of running. To name just a few, this includes the 145-mile Grand Union Canal Race, 145-mile Kennet and Avon Canal Race, and the 130-mile Leeds-Liverpool Canal Race, achieving the Grand Canal Slam. He has also run 100 miles from Cardiff to Aberystwyth, 250 miles across Iceland, completed 270-mile double crossing of the famous Badwater Marathon route in Death Valley. He went on then to complete the Badwater 135 last year, the toughest foot race there is, the holy grail of ultra-running. And he ran 2,000 miles across America from Boston to Austin, 75 days of running. And this was his first ultra marathon, something he, his brother and a friend organised themselves. And where did all this running love start? Back in Llanelli Half Marathon in Wales, which was actually one of my first half marathons. Rhys is the race director of Pegasus Ultra Running Endurance Events based in my glorious home country of Wales. He and his wife are the race directors and one thing they pride themselves on is that they have no cut-off times, something which I love um, and just speaks volume, volumes of who Reese is as a person. He is such a lovely guy, he has so much time for everyone and he is a credit to the ultra running and running community. Without further delay, here is the chat between me and Reese Jenkins. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Not Another Runner podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today, especially as you could be listening to any of the 850,000 podcasts out there. Yes, there are now over 850,000 podcasts out there as of January 2020. And according to the Podcast Insights, this is 300,000 more than they were recorded back in June 2018. This is insane, just how much podcasts are growing and how many are now out there. And I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to listen to this podcast and to connect together as a community. Many of you regular listeners will already know, but some of you may not. Um, So I've had some really exciting news recently. The Not Another Runner podcast has been shortlisted for the Running Awards. The podcast has been shortlisted under vlog, pod and blog. And this is so exciting. Um, So the Running Awards didn't have a category specific to podcasts 
and such last year. This is a new category and it's brilliant that there is now a separate category aside from the professional and personal blocks. Having only set up the podcast in June last year, June 2019, I am amazed that the podcast has been received so well by you guys as listeners and within the running community as a whole. And to see the podcast listed amongst brilliant and well-established podcasts, some of which I have spent the last couple of years listening to, is honestly such a surreal feeling. Um, The biggest and main reason it is listed there is because of you guys who tune in weekly and take the time to listen to the episodes, share them with others and take the time to message the guests and connect with each other. The main aim of the podcast was to connect like-minded people through the power of podcast, as I say, um, within each episode. And if it's one other thing that I aim to do, it is to encourage kindness and support within this brilliant community that is the running community. And so to continue to motivate and inspire each other to get up and get going, because you never regret going, but you always regret not going. I am honestly so grateful to you as a listener and to you all that have recommended the podcast to fellow runners, friends and to family and people within your clubs and the support you show me for the podcast um, and over on Instagram is just amazing. Um, So thank you because without your support the podcast would not grow as it has done and it would be extremely difficult to continue confirming new and exciting guests to bring you in the future. So if you do listen regularly and if you have enjoyed the podcast or you've recommended it to someone um, or you have appreciated the guests and the content and you wish to vote, you can do so via the Running Awards. And a bonus for you, if you place three votes for separate categories, you can obtain a running discount, which is brilliant. Um, I'll put the link to the Running Awards site in the show notes. But a massive thank you to you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Not Another Runner podcast. Um, today's guest is a fellow Welshman, uh, which is really exciting for me. I think this is the first fellow Welsh person on the podcast, so this is really exciting. Um, today's guest is Rhys Jenkins, an ultra runner from Cardiff. Um, he's an ambassador for the CF Warriors and he has an incredible running and ultra running profile. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it justice for an introduction, but I'm going to name just a couple of his crazy achievements. Um, so we've got a couple of 145 mile races, 135 mile race, a crazy 2000 miles across from, Houston, I think it was Houston to Boston, across America, a race or a run rather across Iceland um this is just to name a few guys honestly and the craziest one badwater 135 which reese completed last year and just this weekend has discovered he'll be going back hello reese and welcome to the show hello thank you for having me and thank you for the the warm welcome (laughs) you are so welcome i would say literally cannot do your running profile justice really with um with an introduction and to be honest when I was looking, because I've heard you on a few other podcasts um, over the last few months, uh, probably as far back as a year, I think. So I've heard a lot about what, what you've been up to, but I can't, I genuinely can't remember everything that you've done. You've had some crazy, crazy runs. And to think all of this started back in the Nestle Half Marathon. 
Yes, indeed. Um, back in uh, West Wales, basically, um, in the middle of, I think it's March time, isn't it? This one, yes. you know, it was normally February, like February, yeah. Start? yeah, even warmer. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I just remember that first experience of running a half marathon, and it's a beautiful part of the world, though. But the weather was absolutely atrocious, yeah. But it planted the seeds, and yeah, it's led me on to other things now. That's sometimes a hard um, half marathon as well because you're you're quite a long, you're right by the coast there and you get a lot of winds. Um, so sometimes you it is quite difficult with the weather that you, that you get, especially that time of year being the beginning of February. Yeah, you get absolutely, well, one way is fine because mm -hmm. you've got the wind on your back. Then the other yeah. way you get it in your face and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, and they had to cancel it this year. It was supposed to be, was it last weekend? No, two uh, weekends ago. Yeah. We had Kira. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, rained off, I guess you call it. I, it's obviously the right decision now because it's on the yeah. coast. So you can only imagine what people would have been in for. Yeah. Um, so um, for some of the listeners now who may not have heard of you, um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and when you start started running? You know, what made you enter that half marathon in Llanelli back in the day? Yeah. Um, right. Um, so, yeah, Reese Jenkins, uh, Pnaf Lads, South Wales currently 32 years old and I got into running probably well I went to a summer camp over in America and one of my best friends now um I met him over there at the summer camp and he introduced me to running not that I didn't know what running was beforehand but in terms of actually going out and doing it it was beautiful like we'd get up at like 6 a.m in the morning you'd be in the middle of um, Pennsylvania up in the hills and you'd be running around these beautiful forestry trails and what happened to finish that summer ended up coming back to Wales and I noticed that it had improved my well my health um, I was a massive team sports person I think the way you put that so rugby football that was more my uh, strong um, aspect in life and I noticed that it affected my actual performance in those sports and from that point on I carried on running running and then obviously bit the bullet and went for Flanathley in the February that year um, following summer and yeah finished it absolutely knackered ruined but had that desire to go a little bit further. So ended up signing up to the Las Vegas Marathon and did that. I was really naive in my approach to that. I didn't really um, – I thought it would be warm. Obviously, um, it's, it, you're in Las Vegas, but it was in December time, so it was absolutely freezing cold. So it turned up expecting, like, oh, nice weather, and it's absolutely bitter over there. But one thing I do remember from that race, um, they had bands on every corner. So you had these, like, distractions of just people coming out. And I loved the camaraderie and the people cheering you on. You know, it was really American and over the top, but it was absolutely fantastic. And off that, I finished absolutely knackered again, but had that, I guess, burning desire or... Um, the unknown of wanting to go further and a lot of people sort of go oh when I, I mention this next point but we um myself my best friend and my brother actually ended up agreeing to run across America 2,000 miles um the following September I believe and we spent more time um running it than we did planning it so you can imagine the left of detail that when we turned up at the start point we didn't really know what the hell we were doing but that trip was 75 days long and it taught me everything I know today in terms of ultra running and sort of pushing the body, what works, what doesn't. That changes over time eventually, but it, it really gave me the, uh, the building block to go off. It was 75 days of relentless miles and I just remember finishing the first day sitting down in the shower with my head in my hands thinking, what the hell have I got myself into? 
and got up the next day and put down another marathon. Got up the next day, put down another marathon. The body, the body broke for the first six weeks, but it broke so much that it couldn't actually break anymore. Um, and you sort of saw that upward curve. And if it was a graph, it'd be going upwards and that upward trend, should we say? And we got stronger throughout the whole adventure. It was just, um, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And it, ever since that trip, I've just wanted to do more for charity, do more for adventure challenges as a sort of test the limits of, yeah, the human body. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely insane. I'm trying to work out. Um, when you did that Nestle half marathon and then you went on to do the, the marathon in Las Vegas, uh, what was the time between those two races and then the time between Las Vegas and doing the 2,000 miles? No, no, no. So I'm terrible with my years, but I believe I did the Nestle half marathon once or twice and then wanted the marathon. So the following September after that March, there was yeah. probably about, what, nine months in that? Yeah. December Mm -hmm. and then after that well that December to the following September is when we set off so what's that December January February March April May June July August Mm -hmm. they those months were the only ones that stood between that and then we went out and yeah literally jumped in at the deep end should we say what like how did you hear about this to that did you did you make this up like yourselves i'm, I'm trying to think it wasn't an organized event was it did you just no, like, and did, was, you, did you at random pick right we're gonna do from houston to boston let's just do that so the story goes um my best friend rusty tolliver who's the guy that got me into running um i messaged him saying look i want to do something adventurous i want to test the body i want to run i want to go further and um we he'd already been planning a trip that he wanted to do and he sort of went well I'm already looking at this and it was Boston to Austin so he was living in Boston at the time and he was looking to return home to Austin and he thought it'd be a cool thing to run home um 2,000 miles as you do but it sort of it just fitted perfectly for what I wanted at the time as well and it was just um something that we just couldn't resist we had to go for it uh, I got it wrong. Yes, yeah, so Boston to Austin, that makes more sense. When I was reading it out then, I was thinking, oh, this doesn't sound right. It rhymes. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not Houston to Boston, but Boston to Austin. So that, that, Yes, no, it makes sense now. But how on earth does one, I know, like you said, you know, that body, that your body broke down and it just couldn't break down anymore. And I have heard a lot of ultra runners say this and, and in order to get stronger, you kind of have to put the body through some incredible paces. But how did you prepare for those 2000 miles like 75 days of running at least marathon distance wasn't it yeah so um put a date on it so it was 2010 that was when we actually september 2010 is when we set off and in terms of training it was it it wasn't nothing it wasn't anything crazy it was like five days a week maybe it was maybe six to seven miles each time i wasn't putting in lots of distance um at that time I didn't really know what I was getting myself into so the naivety of it and sort of not knowing what was coming so in terms of my prep in 2020 now and what the way I build up to race is completely different to that if you were to sort of I was honestly answer that question the prep was just literally not just going out and running and just not really you know we didn't know if we'd get there but that's part of a challenge really if you complete it every time what's the point in doing it yeah but genuinely, do you think maybe you forgot some of the miles you must have done? Because five times, like, six, seven miles a week isn't a big distance, is it? Like, considering the the, the distances you were going to be doing. 
No, not at all. It really wasn't. Um, I think, if I'm thinking rightly, I think the furthest, and it was with my brother, we ran about 20 miles maybe in, in one hit. Mm. And that would have been the furthest we'd run together, um, apart from the marathon, obviously, that I'd run up by myself. Um, but in terms of like training runs and stuff, it wasn't a lot. I guess you wanted to go into the challenge as feeling as fresh as you wanted without any yeah. injuries. Um, yeah. And like I said, the first week, six weeks absolutely sucked. But after that, the body started getting stronger. And it, it was supposed to be start off with a marathon a day. And then by the end of it, we were running 30, 40 miles. I think one day it actually peaked and I mean Rusty had run 61 miles and it was on my dad's 61st birthday you know we really it was yeah it was incredible that's cool yeah hey I'm like who do you think managed the best out of you Rusty and and Scott how like did you have like off days and then one of you would pick the the other two up no, um, it, it was a whole team effort. Yeah. Put out now we had two support crew as well, a friend called John and a friend called Adam. Um, John was the sort of driver, the support crew. Adam was the filmmaker and a good friend of mine. So they were always there in the background looking after us, guiding us in the right direction. But in terms of running, um, we were all different strengths. We, You, you can imagine if, you, if you're running eight hours a day, seven hours a day, you only have to be a mile per hour slower than the other person. And that can really add up to a long time. So you, we, although we ran it together, we weren't side by side the whole time. So we were all sort of separate along this side of this road, sort of. It was a team effort, but you're also out there by yourself. So it was quite solo in a way. It, it did get lonely at times because all you had was music. Um, some days you'd run with the other person if, if you're, you're pacing and if you, if you felt okay that day. But you had a lot of ups and downs mentally and physically. I remember one time just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, um, I'd been overcompensating because I had a bit of a niggle in my shin. And I, I don't know if you've ever had it, but the shin splints hit me like it was just like mm -hmm. a train. It literally just felt like it smacked. Somebody had taken a knife and rammed it into my shin. Yeah. And I just remember going, oh, like literally I couldn't even walk. It was absolutely horrendous. So I actually spent, oh, I couldn't stop running. So the next two weeks, I'd get up earlier than everybody else and I'd walk it. So by the time they were getting up, I'd already walked 10 miles down the road. So then by the end of the day, it wasn't much of a wait for those guys when they were running past me. Wow, that was a huge commitment. Did you ever think along, uh, you know, during those 75 days, oh, do you know what, actually, I don't know if we're going to be able to make this? Um, within those first six weeks, a lot of wheels fell off and mentally it was really tough. Um, you could see it among everybody. Obviously, John and Adam were fantastic. They were our rocks throughout. But you could see my brother getting injuries, Rusty getting injuries, me getting injuries. And then you'd feel like, oh, right. Okay, it's another injury, but it will heal. But then once that's healed, something else would pop up so that you get a little knockback here and there. But honestly, did I ever think I'd quit? No. Um, it was a case of I had to get to Austin. I booked a flight, so I'm quite tight like that. I'd have to, you know, I didn't want to pay any more money to get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally relate to that. Not quite on the same uh, on the same <laughs> level, but I remember someone was saying to uh, saying to me last week, you know, about um, when I was doing the London Marathon and I was sick on several occasions. I've never felt so sick in all my life, um, but I still finished it. It was my first marathon, and and I said to it, yeah, but the thing is. There were so many road closures. I actually didn't know how I would get to the end to oh, really? meet my family. So it was a bit like, well, I might as well carry on because I need to get to the finish line either way, feeling like this, whether it's in a taxi or, you know, going all the way around London, avoiding all the road closures or or going through the race. You know something that really helped us with that approach? Um, 
So we'd run, we turned our weeks into eight days. So we'd run for seven days, break on the eighth. And that eighth day was always that, um, it was that reward. You always had that to chase for. So you, you've, I've got seven days to go. I've got six, I've got five, I've got four, I've got three, I've got two, I've got one. Oh, I get a day off. I can literally sit there and do nothing. But I just remember feeling those days, like absolutely knackered, but I was in bliss. It was like, I've deserved this rest, but you know, it was just one of those moments in your life where you're like, yeah, it's yeah. okay to just stay still. Yeah, yeah. Did you get many people like passing by in, in you know, in vehicles or I don't know whether they're cycling or running or, you know, passing you by and just being like, what are you up to? Because obviously you had a van following you. No, yeah, no, we had a number of people. We'd see other walkers out there, maybe runners, because it wasn't a, across America as such, not, not, not the famous route of going all the way across. It was our own, yeah. uh, we say, bespoke route. Um, but no, we did see other travellers out there. We sort of looked, I remember seeing a gypsy family who were like sort of migrating with their horses and carriages, which was pretty cool. Uh, we met a lot of uh, Amish people in Pennsylvania and that sort of part of the country. Uh, we saw a lot of wildlife as well. So we, I remember we were coming into one town and a local pulled over. And it, and I'm not going to do an American accent because I'm terrible at it. But um, he sort of warned us about an elk, which was just on our side of the road and that we should cross over the road to just be safe because they charge um, people over there. And me, I was with Rusty at the time, actually. And we were like, OK, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll cross over the road, crossed over the road, headed up the road. And the elk had obviously moved onto our sides of the road, to which we had like, oh my god, what do we do? But like, uh, it, it was it was okay. It didn't come anywhere near us. But they are absolutely huge when you're mm -hmm. close up to those things, and they're, they're very intimidating. But uh, we met a lot of people on that trip, and to sort of name names, it's just like I couldn't do that because we met a lot of people who were absolutely incredible, and they'd be all here all day if I was reeling them off. Yeah how um how were you guys when you when you finished like you know 2000 miles across 75 days like did you take a, a considerable a considerable amount of time off afterwards um no we we finished in austin it was fantastic it was amazing from working at the summer camp we made a number of friends from texas and a lot of people came out to see us the final day was it was just crazy. We people were driving to the finish line, and we were sort of still had like twenty miles to go. But they're passing us in their vans, and they're sort of beeping their horns. You know, it was one of those moments in your life. It's like this is awesome, brilliant. And no, we finished the race. I think we had about a week left over in America. Flew back home, and then yeah, it did take it easy for a while because we finished end of November, December. Can't remember the exact date. Um, yeah, Christmas. So what? most people do over to Christmas, you sort of, you know, indulge a little bit, enjoy it. And we'd obviously just run 2000 miles. So we indulge a little bit too much, I guess. But as soon as that first, as soon as the new year kicked in, it, it was a case of what's next, what do I do next? And you sort of, you sort of got itchy feet where you're just trying to think of something to sort of, you've gone through this amazing experience, but you want that feeling again. And even if that feeling does suck for a long time, you know, getting to that finish line and knowing that you've achieved something like that, it's just incredible. It gives yeah. you uh, hunger for more yeah absolutely and like what was what was the next big challenge following the 2000 mile challenge no I did, I did a number of things so um I ended up running my first 100 miler it was my own bespoke route from Aberystwyth to Cardiff um I probably should have researched that a little bit more as well because that was horrendous the hills towards the end were just uh insane yeah. 
mm. and the weather wasn't the greatest. But um, after that, we organised a team relay around the edge of Wales. So I think it was myself and six other people, maybe seven. We worked in teams of two or three, and we all got on a minibus. And you'd imagine if it was me and yourself, I'd run for half an hour, you run for half an hour, I'd run for half an hour, you'd run for half an hour, and then we'd have a massive break off whilst the other teams worked through that cycle as well. And we went around the edge of Wales in that format. It was um, it was incredible. We raised so much money for charity. I think we raised just as much as we did across running across America as we did going around Wales. It was um, amazing. amazing. And it's a hell of a thing to see your, your homeland at a runner's speed, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you organised that yourselves, did you? Yeah, um, I've got, uh, yeah, I was going to say hankering then. <laughs> I love coming up with adventures and challenges which people haven't done before. Um, and that guided a lot of my running after Boston to Austin. It was, okay, what what, what can we do? What what's, What is crazy? What What is achievable? And, yeah, getting other people involved to it as well and sort of opening their eyes to it because, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing to do and it's, uh, it's life-changing in a way as well. Yeah. Do you ever get worried about um, touch touching wood now um, <laughs> <about> <laughs> potential injuries? You know, running those two thousand miles in, in seventy five days, and your hundred mile race, and and on a hilly route, and and everything else that you've done. Mm-hmm. You know, these massive, you know, one hundred thirty five, one hundred forty five, two hundred fifty miles. You know, all of these big major runs. Do you ever get worried about um, about injuries? Um, you, you think about them, but I don't think you can sort of um, wait around for them to sort of think about them too much, because then you let it dictate what you, you want to have a go at. And, you know, you do come across niggles, pains and so on and such. Like the Boston to Austin thing, I had a lot of injuries going throughout that whole journey. But the pattern of it was, OK, you get injured, but then you, you, you fix yourself. You sort of go back to level zero, if you want to call it that. But um, the biggest injuries, I, no, I, I'm quite lucky with so far to date, again, touching wood, that my injuries haven't really been too terrible. Or I don't think I've actually taken too much time off at all from running over the last 10 years. That, that's an honest answer. Mm. Yeah, which is brilliant. That's like very, very fortunate. Um yeah, what 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 did you endure during that two thousand mile run across? Uh, the, the worst one by far was the shin splints. It was yeah. literally like my my calf was and my foot were just all the same size. It was horrendous. Um, my buddy Rusty had shin splints as well. And I don't know if you've seen it, but you get a bubble on your shin, and it was driving him insane. And what he did, he took a pin and Whoa. into the bubble. I know. Sorry, I shouldn't go into <laughs> like this. And he massaged. The, the bubble or whatever you want to call it and there was this fluid just coming out the side of it and just looking at it like I, I hate needles anyway so I was like almost like gagging at the side of the road like in the, the support vehicle whilst he's doing this but yeah shin splints is probably the most painful thing I've gone through in terms of that trip alone but you, you had other things as well we had sickness at one point where white it was just um so we're in a place called Magnolia Arkansas it was absolutely beautiful little town you know it was really quaint and it had a town hall and stuff and we stayed there one night and um there was five of us on the journey and out of the five of us um, four of us got sick like really bad and they were up all night sort of being sick and so visiting the toilet should we say and i was the lucky one where i wasn't sick and what we ended up doing um we had to, we couldn't run the next day because people were sick you, you would have just been yeah it wouldn't have helped it wouldn't have happened put it that way so we took the day off and um unfortunately after that day everybody got better but i got 
sick. So it was four people who got better and I then picked up the illness. And because it was only me, we sort of made the decision to sort of carry on. So I, I was having to run with this sickness for about, I think we were up to about 30 miles a day at this point. Uh, I just remember running those 30 miles and it was horrific. You were having to stop every mile or so just to, um, yeah, balance the body, should we say. Gosh. And you have to be so careful when that happens because you can make yourself really ill. All the fluids and fuels and stuff to try and uh, rehydrate yourself to keep well, going. You can imagine though, because we were still new into our my whole running yeah. adventure. I didn't really know all this at the time, so you you're sort of trying to take stuff on and learn it, and you're googling it because it's back in 2010 as well. So you haven't got a lot of information available to you. So you're sort of trying to make do as you're going along. You're taking diorolite or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just one of those things. Now, if I came across that, I'd know how to deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like you said, you know, you were totally new to it at that point. And I do think like, you know, going back to 2002, which is quite, quite a while back now, um, and it is and it isn't, you know, we still had the internet, et cetera. But I do think information wasn't as readily available. And I think that nowadays, sometimes we have a little bit like information overload. You know, we're, we're taking in things all the time, whether that be through social media, um, through press or, um, you know, podcasting. I think a lot of information is is, is given and, and learned through podcasting. Um, and sometimes we, we take on a little bit too much information, but definitely at that point, you, you know, you really would have had to have gone out of your way to understand and know, you know, what is it you do during an ultra run? How do you keep yourself? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, do you know, when I, had the, when I had the shin splints, though, you didn't really, there was compression socks and so on and such, you could probably find around, but because we were on the road every day and we're moving and we're not in the main towns, we're sort of going from the little towns to the little towns just because we weren't allowed to run on the main roads over there for safety reasons. But I remember having to go to a pharmacy and buy, um, you know, the socks you, you yeah. use flying, the deep vein thrombosis socks? Yeah. I had to buy it those to deal with the shin splints and they, they, they actually worked but I, I got over the shin splints eventually but yeah I just remember then having um I, I'd never I didn't take them off for the rest of the trip I, I'd, I'd literally I'd wear them every day even when the shin splints had gone they were still going on my feet because I just I don't know it was it was just yeah. a comfort for me it was a, a safety measure yes because you didn't want to have that pain again oh I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy God. <laughs> That's mad. So obviously back during that time, you know, it was all new to you. I still can't get over that you'd, you'd done a couple of half marathons, then go, gone on to do the marathon in Las Vegas. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, let's let's do this 2000 mile run as your next like big epic adventure. Um, for anyone listening, though, who may not have ventured in the ultra running world, um, what would be your best tips or advice if, you know, for them starting off, um, if they're looking to do an ultra run? Yeah, no, um, I guess the first one is don't compare yourself to somebody else because everybody's different. Everybody has a, a different capacity to what they can deal with. And I think the biggest mistake some people make is they'll see somebody running 100 miles and go, right, I, I can get, I, I should be doing that right away. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't take a while to build up to it. And you do sort of, you get these different, I don't know, layers of grit or determination or sort of mileage, you know, you build up to that point. You wouldn't go and lift a really heavy weight straight away. You build up to it, wouldn't you? And when you put it into that perspective of ultra running, you do need to build up to these distances. 
Um, so not comparing yourself with other people and sort of finding your own path in it, I think is something everybody needs to do. And that would be one of my main tips. Um, and little and often. So whether that is eating, whether that is drinking, whether that is stretching. So something that I try to do, I should do more of, is stretching during these runs. So even when you're at a checkpoint or you're taking a minute to sit down on a bench at 3 a.m. in the morning in the middle of slough, um, <laughs> you take that moment to try and stretch the muscles back out. And they, they genuinely, it does genuinely help the body. You sort of, you, okay, it's broken, but you do give it that. It's almost like a, a plaster that you're popping over an, you know, an ache or a pain. So little and often when it comes to drinking and eating, because obviously if you go out and eat a massive meal, you're not really going to be able to run too efficiently or effectively. And with the drinking as well, it's, it's little and often, little and often. It's, it's just a way to make sure stuff is still going in your body. And like you touched upon with the hydration side of things, I've seen so many people blow up from being dehydrated and it's a, it's something that you can you can manage you can manage quite easily as long as you stay on top of it yeah um and in your your opinion then reese what what do you think it takes to become an ultra runner oh god i don't think i'm still an ultra running now my, my running style is so weird i don't know if you see me run but it's um it's almost like a shuffle so when you were asking me about injuries i, I do put a lot of the onus, 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 I don't know what the word is, yeah. um, on my, my running style. So it is very much a shuffle. So my feet barely leave the ground. So you don't have that impact on your knees. So mm -hmm. touch wood, my injuries have been okay there. Um, and now I've missed the point of the questions. So you have to repeat that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was asking, what do you think it takes to become an ultra runner? No, no, no. Um, grit and determination. Um, the not being worried of the unknown. I think part of the unknown is part of the journey as well. It's just something that comes along with ultra running. It's, um, it, it, I think every race I do, I come away with it learning something new about my body. And I think with ultra running in particular, it's a case of marathon, you go out and you try to run as fast as possible, don't you? You try to get around the course like London and you sort yeah. of, but what I try to say to a lot of people is if you, you've actually taken a bit more time and sort of stopped at those aid stations that they offer you in London, and sort of taking a minute or two to sort of take on more fluid or food because I think that's something which sort of hampers a lot of people when they're running a marathon is they just try to rush through the checkpoints mm -hmm. when actually you could probably take a minute to just walk through them drink the drink and then carry on and you probably find you go faster over time yeah. and with ultra running is you can go slower and actually end up going faster if that makes sense because if you yeah. blow out early on you've got no hope of making it to the end or you may make it to the end but you're going to bonk all the way you know yeah that's that's the thing isn't it with with um even like marathon distance and and beyond it's it's taking it slow and and knowing um knowing what you're you're capable of sometimes that's that's not easily um something that we do know but like you've just said about bonking like that is probably the key to avoiding that like you say not going out too fast because how often is it that runners go out too fast in marathon or further um and then you pay the price for the last half you know what with another point around the ultra running what what you class as an ultra runner um i think every ultra runner or walker or somebody just wants to do an incredible distance is yeah. a sense of adventure because mainly these ultramarathons are in absolutely beautiful places in the middle of nature. You know, you're doing something which not a lot of people have actually ever done. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of an ultra running as yeah. well, yeah. that sense of adventure. Yeah. 
And there's definitely a, a great sense of community in the ultra running world. That's one thing I feel like I, I see or notice. Um, like you say, you know, you're taking your time through the pit stops and, um, and aid stations or wherever it may be. Um, you have to take your time in order to be able to, to continue to have the endurance to get, get across the finish line. So sometimes it can be a little bit more friendly because you will actually stop. You're more likely to stop and maybe have a little quick, quick chat to someone than if you were doing a marathon. No, you're right. It's the sense that the community is absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's just unbelievable. Everybody's very supportive and lovely and friendly. But even that, you, that's the runners and walkers, but also the people that are manning the checkpoints. It, some of these races are mainly just family events and everybody knows one another. And it's just a lovely feeling when you're doing, obviously in Ackard, you're going to feel a bit crappy throughout. But when you see these amazing people sort of start willing to stand out there and support you through these uh, uh, terrible conditions, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a community which I'm very proud to be part of. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, you're, you're the race director for, I'm going to get this right now, it is Pegasus, is it Pegasus Ultra? Yes, yes, you haven't named the competitor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because um, I remember listening to something that I really, really liked, um, and that was that there's no cut-off times. That's no, right. Um, that's, um, I, I, some people call it RUS. Um, no, we don't have cut-off times. Um, it's simply because all of our races are pretty much on trails. So unlike the London Marathon, we we don't have to abide to sort of closure roads and stuff. And you don't have tens of thousands of people running. You, you're sort of in your hundreds out there. There's not a lot of you. And to be honest, when you sort of pay to enter a race and then you spend months and months and months training to sort of do a race, we at least owe it to you to wait around and sort of helping you you the best opportunity to get there and one thing which we have seen is when you remove the added pressure of time people tend to enjoy it a bit more mm. so it's, it's sort of you know when rather than having to look at your clock all the time you can turn around and actually look at the scenery and it's something that we you know, cut off times we don't believe in and we don't have them yeah and but I, love I do, I do I understand I love some races do have them though it, it, it is needed in some races yeah of course and definitely for safety and, and whatnot um yeah. Yeah, where can people find the races then? Where can they go for your website? Yeah, I need to get this right now. So it's um, pegasusultrarunning.com. Um, if you put Pegasus Ultra Running into Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, you'll also find us on there. And yeah, we are, um, yeah, it's, you, you'll see the logo. It's a Pegasus symbol and it's quite um, standout-ish. It's a, yeah, it's, we're quite easily to, easy to find. When when did you set that up then, Reese? um that was 2018 now i believe and it was um it's a case it's something that had been on the back burner for a while it had been something which we were thinking about it's something I'd, I'd worked for another company previously in the event sector in terms of putting on ultra runs and it was something where i wanted to showcase wales as a beautiful place to run because i genuinely believe it's up there with some of the best places in the world that like we are blessed with like mountains you got the coastal path you got the taff you got all these beautiful rivers it's genuinely we are blessed with the, the opportunity to run basically and whilst we were me and my wife were driving through north greece so this is an insight into where the name actually came from we were driving through like the mount olympus uh, region and sort of you know you stop beside stop beside the road or hotel for the night and you sort of start digging in you google up and you sort of learn a bit more about the region you're going through and you're talking about like zeus and all these greek gods and then we came across pegasus and we we're like 
that's a pretty cool well symbol but also a word for like it's yeah. discrimination it's going further isn't it it's something which really resonated with the both of us and yeah that's where pegasus sort of came from and that's you and your wife that set it up yeah and my friend rusty Tolliver's again he gets a lot of shout outs because he was heavily involved with it as well at the start it's um yeah that's amazing yeah loved that when i did hear about the cutoff so i did that was one thing i just loved um right we've got to talk about the big news um <laughs> that we heard on the weekend so we're going to tie this in as well with last year um you completed badwater 135 um, now, am I saying it correctly, or do people pronounce it in America? Is it Badwater 135? I don't, I don't even know. Oh, you nailed it first time. Badwater uh, 135. Yeah. I thought it was. Okay, cool. Toughest um, race on the planet. <laughs> pardon? The toughest race on the planet. Yes, the holy grail of the ultra world. Yes, you've got it. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely insane. I remember because um, I, I that one when, when I first um, discovered running then. I watched a film by Billy Young Films. I don't know whether you've come across any of his, have you? Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he's amazing. So I watched Life in a Day and was introduced to Western States, which nice. was like just epic. Um, and then after that, I found myself in a rabbit hole of ultra running. Not that I am an ultra runner myself, because I'm not, um, but very intrigued by the community and the races, especially um, in America. And one of them then was Bad Water a couple of years later, because I watched Sally McRae, um, prepare for it, the Nike um, Ultra Trail Runner athlete. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so she she must have done it. Was it last year when you were there? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure she was there. And I wanted to ask, did you by any chance happen to bump into her? Um, but yeah, I saw her train for it, and yeah, her training was pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So for for you now living in wales how on earth did you prepare for such an epic race and just yeah. explain to everyone where this race is and how challenging it is yeah um so badwater 135 um the toughest race on the planet the race of champions the holy grail the vulture running um it's something that's been on my radar for about 10 years genuinely it was a 10-year journey dream adventure to get there and it is a 135-mile run through the hottest place on Earth over three mountain ranges. It is, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's very, very tough. I remember um, reading that during that race, um, some of the runners actually have to run on the, the white lines that are mapped. You know, they're like, you know, like on a road, you've got the white line in the middle of the mm -hmm. road. Yep. But sometimes you have to run on that so that you're not running on the concrete because the concrete is so hot it can melt your shoes. Um, <laughs> like, I haven't honestly, I heard that. I haven't come across that. So I, I guess give you a little bit of background. So 2014, I actually went over there and ran the route myself for charity. So back to like wanting to do these challenges and sort of tick them off the list and sort of see whether the body could do it. So I went out there off my own back and did a solo crossing with one of my good friends, John. He crewed me by himself and then returned in 2015 with my brother and uh, I think it was his wife and my father and ended up doing a double crossing. So I went there and back and then 2016 went back over and did another solo crossing and then 2017 went back and did another solo crossing. Um, never the official race. It was always just um, for charity and sort of going out there and sort of enjoying it and putting the body through it. But never once have I sort of had my shoes, bottom of my shoes melt. <laughs> the roads gets really, really hot over there. You can only imagine. 
But the best, best way to describe it is if, if you take your foot and put it in an oven, what's the first thing that's going to happen? It's going to start to swell up and blister. So your feet are very close to the road surface. I, I don't know if it makes a massive difference, but um, a lot of people tend to use like uh, hokers. So they got the really thick platform. So it pushes your foot a little bit further away from the hot road surface. It's just absolutely insane. Crazy. Do you know what, though? The, the fact that you'd sourced um, your own run out there and done a crossing and you've been, you went back and forth there, what, four times, um, obviously really helped you with um, the application process, you know, the first time around. Because to get into Badwater is not an easy feat. You have to have earned your spot, really. Because there is, I think, is there only 100 places and you have to have done like you you can tell me because i'm not really sure but you have to actually put an application together it's a bit like applying for a job um and put in all your um achievements and and how or why you should be um considered is that correct yeah so it's a i guess it's a whole holistic approach to it um the application process is something i look forward to every year but i'm also one of the things that scares me the most every year um me and my wife sit down for about two weeks when the application is actually open and take the time to sort of work our way through the, the questions and sort of making sure that we come i come across in the right manner and sort of do myself justice really um it, it if you've got the experience and you've been out there and you've put in the work and you've sort of ticked off the criteria, so the criteria is um, is you need to run three 100-mile-plus races, basically. And what I ended up doing in 2018 was taking on a, a, a series called the Canal Slam, and it was 145-mile race from Birmingham to London, 145-mile race from Bristol to London, and then 135-mile race from Liverpool to Leeds. And those three races gave me my um, my criteria in terms of I'd be able to apply. And it was one of those races, the Grand Union Canal from Birmingham to London, which was, um, so you have to have done one of their qualifying races as well, because obviously you get different levels of 100 mile races. So not all of them are fair and they're not the same. So it's a case of you need to do one off their designated list, should we say. But then it's a case of, Right. What other things are there? They they ask you what you do to give back to running. It, it, when I say the word holistic, it is an all rounded CV. It's not just about your running, but also you as an individual. Mm. What other question? What other sorts of questions do they ask? You're um, to say. You put me on the spot now. I should know this quite well. That's, that's quite. That's quite cool that they ask you. You know, what do you give back to the community and and things? No, I love yeah. that. It does ask you um, what you actually give. How do you give back to the world of ultra? Yeah. Love that. Yeah, That's and cool. it asks you whether you're going to be running for a charity over there. It's, yeah. um, it's a, like I said, if you've done the work and you've sort of put the effort in, um, it, the application process is you just need to make sure you come across in the right way and do yourself yeah. justice. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So, you know, when you did it um, last year, mm-hmm. how, you know, like, like you said, this is it was literally a dream for I think it was 10 years. Um, how many times had you applied before you got in for the 2019 one? No, um, so what happened? Was it 2017 or 16? I can't remember. I applied for the race and I, I, I got rejected, quite rightly, because I didn't have the the uh, the experience. I hadn't gone out and run these official 100-mile races. I'd done challenges, but you can say you've done something. You know there's no backup to that in a way. So they need to make sure that the people out there are running. 
Um, so I got rejected, but I did have a lovely email from the race director sort of explaining why I'd been rejected in a way. And it, it was a case of, yeah, it, was, it made complete sense to me. So I spent the next couple of years working on myself as an individual, and that would be running and stuff I do for charity and sort of getting the qualifying races to be able to sort of at least put in an application. Because even being able to apply for the race, for me, is a massive thing in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And you just said about, you know, raising money for charity. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't, don't know what the figure is, but you you had raised over £50,000, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that was like, so it's, it's over 100000 I've raised over since 2010, really. Wow. And that's and, and multiple that's, charities. Yeah, I was going to say multiple charities then, because obviously you are an ambassador for the CF Warriors. Yes. Um, so that was, I was lucky enough to be the first ever ambassador for that charity, actually. So my wow. good buddy, um, Josh Llewellyn-Jones, um, he's a hell of an ultra athlete athlete himself. He set up a charity, which is um, called Cystic Fibrosis uh, Warriors. And the idea is quite simple to get kids with CF doing exercise because it helps their lung capacity. So it's a fantastic initiative and charity and cause. It's something which I've bought into and I'm lucky enough to be an ambassador for. So the last two years I've spent <laughs> running for those guys. Wow. And £100,000 for multiple charities is yeah. crazy. Do you oh. ever just stop and think like, oh my God, how have I even, like, how have I achieved this? You, you try, um, you, you try, you sometimes, yeah, you just take a moment to step back and look at what you've done and then you sort of have, have a little research into what you raised over certain challenges and so on and such. And it was, um, yeah, I was flabbergasted that I raised over hundred grand over 10 years, which is it's something I'm extremely proud of and I think in 2012 yeah. I was lucky enough to be uh, an Olympic torchbearer as well so I got yeah. to do that yes I had heard that that was amazing <laughs> that's so like no honestly that's that's just credit to you as a person and what you've achieved already and mm. and you're only 31 32 now I, I did I, I just keep forgetting I'm 32 yeah <laughs> that's crazy no that's you know that's like it's it's credit to you as a person and to, you know, what you've achieved and equally what, what, what you've done for charities, um, what you've done for others and, and what you do for, for the bigger community. So, yeah, it's credit to you. Oh, thank you. Um, so the exciting news this weekend, obviously, was that you're going back to Badwater next year. But not only that, your chief crew member last year, your brother, is also going to be taking part in the race. Yes, yeah. This is like I was when I saw um Saturday night because I was I was at home busy doing some work and I could see the live feed had come up and both of you had posted something. I thought, oh my god, this is insane. So both of you are gonna have the experience and share that together, like in the same year, which is pretty epic. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We'll both be separate runners though. So um you're only allowed you you have to have one vehicle and four support crew, and obviously over that sort of distance the chances of us running next to each other are going to be very short you know it's a case of yeah we're both going out there for individual races and yeah. sort of have our own experiences but to know the other ones out there would be pretty cool yeah exactly knowing that you're you are out there is it is cool um yes just very very exciting um <laughs> how will you both start to train for that when when will you start so um my training is already 
started, my training started uh, third week of January, second week of January. It wasn't for Badwater. Um, It was for my first race of the year. And that is in March now. That's actually in North Carolina. And it is a Badwater race. So it's 50 miles on, they call it the Beast Coast, um, along a beach, basically, for 50 miles. So you imagine running on sand for that. Oh, my God. Are you joking? No, it's called Cape Fear. Uh, have a little look at it. It's fantastic. It looks beautiful. I've never done it. Yes, it's um, it's going to be new for me this year, but it's part of the Badwater Ultra Cup. So I signed up to do Cape Fear 50 and Salton Sea, which is a it's a buddy run, I guess is the best way to call it. So if it was myself and you, we, we'd run the whole distance together. It's like 80, 84 miles, something like that. And if one drops out, the other one drops out. You know, you need to get each other through it. Wow, that's then, crazy. The third race would be bad. Will be. I, I was saying would be up until the Saturday, but it will be. It will be. Yeah. Badwater one three five, which is um, that shapes my whole year of running basically. Okay. Yeah, because so, it's in full swing. <laughs> so you've got the the one in March, and that was the I'm trying to read my writing here now. The Cape Fear, and that's yes. the one that's along the beach. Yes, it's um on a, an area called Boldhead Island, and it, it's a, a constant conservation area so it's um there's not a lot out there and then you've got the sultan sea where what month is that that is a that is april and okay. you've got bad water in july but in between that i've got two other things as well so actually those three races they make up the bad water ultra cup so if i manage to complete all three i'll actually be the first welshman to have completed the bad water ultra cup which would be pretty cool Yes, because you were the first uh, Welshman who completed Badwater One Three Five, weren't you? Yes, I know. Something. Yes. That, um, yeah. It's, I, I, yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. Something which um, will be with me forever. So. That's amazing. Because so, like, you were the only Welshman there last year. Is that correct? I was the only Welshman, but there was also an Englishman over there as well, and we were the only two Brits. Okay. So. Technically speaking, do we know? I mean, I didn't hear the whole lineup. So obviously, your brother's in it now this year. So yep. really, he could be the second Welshman to have completed it. Yes, um, he's the only other Welshman in the race this year. Yeah. So yeah, he'll be the second. And then I think there's a couple of other people going from the UK as well. Which um, we got. Exciting. Yeah, I think there's about six or seven of us, maybe, which wow. is pretty cool. Cool. And what were the other two events you've got lined up now this year? Ah, right. Um, so in May time, I've got, um, I'm going back to run from Birmingham to London to the Grand Union Canal Race. Yeah. Um, it's something which I love the canals. I love the canal races and they're run by a tight knit group called the Canal Race CIC. They're lovely guys and it, it's 145 miles, but it's just, um, it's beautiful. It's a really nice weekend. It's difficult because you're trying to run along something which is so flat. The only hill you get yes. when you've got bridges, really. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Um, but no, I'm going back to there at the end of May. And then in June, I'm teaming up with a good friend of mine, um, Dave Sinclair. And you know Cardiff well? Do you know Cardiff? Yes. yes. Okay, so doing 24 hours around uh, Rofe Park Lake. Really? Yeah, so just going round and round and round. Round and round. And just organising it yourself for you? Yes, well, between us, we're doing it for a charity called Mind. Um, for men. Oh, fab. What date, what date are you doing that in June? That is the longest day of the year, and I believe it is June 20th. June 20th, what day is that? Hang on, I'm in the wrong month, I'm checking my calendar. Yeah, I'm double-checking whether that's the longest month. I believe it's the 20th or the 27th of 
I'll have to come up if you're doing that. Oh, please do, or anybody else would love to join. Um, we'll yeah. we do some miles with you. Oh, please do. We're going to have a gazebo there, and people will be able to um, yeah. or just run as much as they want. Brilliant. So. Well, I'm just putting that on my calendar. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that'll be brilliant. Um, and I've got a friend who lives in Cardiff. She often runs around Roof Lake, so that'll be cool. Oh, awesome. Any company I can get would be yes. greatly appreciated. Brilliant. Gosh, you've got a really, really busy schedule. Um, Do you know what? Um, yeah. My wife is actually sitting opposite me now. And yeah, her eyes are like, oh my God. Yeah, it is a busy summer. Yeah, she's because your wife's a runner as well, isn't she? My wife is the, the brains behind Pegasus. So I come up with the ideas and then she goes, right, this is how it's going to work. Oh, so she, yeah, she, um, yeah, she loves a short running. And she just loves being outside in the great outdoors. Oh, perfect match then, both of you. Yes. Um, yeah, she organises a thing called uh, Repair Cafe Wales. I don't know if you've come across that. What's it called? Repair? Repair Cafe Wales. It's, okay. um, it's basically a, ch a charity and initiative where you can bring stuff along to these cafes and you get it fixed for free. And you get a what for free? You, you get, get it fixed for free. So mobile oh, phones posters, hoovers, uh, clothes, stuff like that. It's not me fixing it for you because I'm terrible at stuff like that. <laughs> they are like experts who are giving up their time to sort of help. Oh, save. Brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant because it saves you throwing it out and it sort of helps the environment in the way as well. That's brilliant. Where is where is Repair Cafe based? Ah, so it's all over Wales, actually. We've got about 31, 32 cafes now. Um, so oh, there's actually one close in, uh, I think it's Carmarthenshire, and I think it's Ferryside. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, fairy side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's near Llanelli. Um, she's actually saying now Fishguard as well. So. Oh, Fishguard. That's like half an hour from me. There you go. I, w I want you to attend. <laughs> oh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go and attend, and I'll take a snap so you can see the evidence. <laughs> I believe you, mate. I believe yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I've written yeah. that down as well. Um. Yeah. Really cool. But um. Yeah. Definitely, we'll let people know who are local. With regards to that twenty-four hour um, event that you're going to do yeah. for charity, that I mean, how many sort of miles did you or must you have completed last year, and are you looking to do this year? Because when you when you look at what you've got written down on paper, it's a lot. It's a lot of miles. No, I, I think I tallied it up, um, training miles and events as well, and I think it was in the region of about three thousand five hundred miles last year, maybe close, further closer to four thousand. Um, it's it, it it is, but it, you know what? It, it's um, one of those things when you're doing it, you sort of enjoy it, you know. And you, I didn't realise I'd run that much until I sort of looked at it and actually tried counting it. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like Strava would like combust. Well, yeah, I, I am I'm terrible with Strava, so I'm tracking it at the moment. But sometimes I just turn it off and I don't want to know. It's yeah. just things that disappear for a while, and then I'll go back to it. And then at the moment, I'm on it though. So yeah, I do find it quite useful when you can add your kit, add add the trainers. So I mean, normally you can tell if your trainers need replacing, but um, yeah, sometimes it's quite nice to see how many miles those each shoe, shoes have done. I know that sounds a bit geeky, but no, I, I can you've got to be yeah. You've I mean because you'd be quite surprised. I remember going out for a run and thinking, oh, you know, these shoes feel really worn down, and like my knees feel funny. And then when I did check, I was like, oh god, they've done loads more miles than I thought they'd done. You know what? I, I don't know if you get the same thing, but when I buy a new pair of shoes, my legs ache for about two or three days when I've been running in them because it's the body balancing 
Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, I've had that the last two weeks. Had... <laughs> yeah, I got a new pair like yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, I think, um, I think to be honest, I'll hold my hands up. Um, mine is definitely from a lack of movement and inability to move and lack of running and exercise in general. So I think it's not only the new shoes and, and readjusting, mm. um, especially after wearing really worn down trainers, um, <laughs> but also, yeah, the much the lack of movement in the last four months, yeah. which hopefully will not be continuing for much longer oh, um, you can join me at Rove Park in June yes yeah I really hope so I'm supposed to yeah I'm supposed to be doing my coaching course in, in June so fingers crossed fingers crossed what um what would you say is the toughest experience that you've endured um during any endurance event I mean oh. I'd like to think it was bad water because of the heat and and whatnot but if we, if we got time for two if I give yes. you two examples yeah, yes give us two Right. Okay. So yeah, bad water, one hundred percent. It's the toughest thing uh, challenge I've done, um, and it sort of last year was fantastic. I managed to complete the race when I'd been over there previously with um, minimal support and just off your own back. I had a really um, eye-opening experience where at the side of the road, about forty miles in, uh, my body went into cramps, and it, it wasn't like it, it was. A, it started off with a cramp, and then I just felt it shoot up the body, and as it shot up the body. I, it knocked me clean out and I literally cannot remember. I, I don't know how long it was, but I just remember being woken up at the side of the road by, by my support crew. It must have happened close to the vehicle. And I, I think what happened was they came over, oh, they didn't come over, they were right next to me anyhow. And I woke up and I was, I was sort of in this dirt, in this hot place. And I, I thought I was about to play football. I was like, where's the football? And then I looked around and I was like, oh, it's not green, it's, it's just sand and dust. And then it's one of those things where, like, oh, God, I'm in, you know, I'm in one of the hottest places on earth. Oh, God, I'm only 40 miles into a 135-mile race. It was one of those points in my life where it gradually got worse, oh. and, worse and worse. And then the realisation is you, you, you're currently out in the middle of the hottest place on earth and you've got a lot of miles left to go. And I just remember just sort of waking up, and, oh, my God, how am I going to get this done? But I, I, I literally managed to take, I think I took about half an hour, 45-minute break, mm dusted yourself off and managed to keep on going and managed to complete it and I didn't actually have any more cramps that whole year um through that journey it was uh, one of those things where the body almost accepted it it um, cleansed the body of cramp by knocking me out yeah it just it, it was horrific at the time and it's something that really it, it did worry me but I got through it um in terms of an ultra endurance challenge so um whew, Back in, I think it was 2013, maybe 2012, myself and a group of friends, we decided to do a cycling relay from Rome to Paris. And we drove all the way down with this support vehicle. The idea was, again, um, I'd cycle for a bit, then you, then someone else, and so on and such. And you just keep working in that cycle. So we only had two bikes with us. We had minimal kit. And we went to start the challenge. And before we started the challenge, I think we'd raised about £500. So we'd raised a bit, but not where anywhere near our goal. And what happened was we went to the start line. Uh, my friend was dressed in his cycling kit. He was ready to go. We set him off and we went back to the support vehicle. And it was one of those moments, again, in your life where you're like, oh, where's the support vehicle? You're in this foreign city. You're like, oh, parked on another street. God, we're being silly here. Somebody will find it in a second. We kept on walking. We walked around for a while and then it sort of hit home gradually, one by one, that the vehicle had been stolen. 
I know and sort of it was a bank holiday weekend of all things and everywhere was closed or it was closing and everything just gradually got worse and the first thing we did was where's a safe place to get to so we went to the airport we got a taxi to the airport or a bus I can't really remember that detail um and rang home I rang home to my dad and he's like you're an idiot you should have called me earlier there's a tracker on the vehicle oh I know and you're like ah damn it and he, he they got the they've got the location of the van so as you do you sort of i don't know you just want your stuff back so we got in a taxi and went straight to this location and there it was the van was parked they had been covered up and they tried hiding it not very well because we could still see it and sort of um they'd taken everything from this vehicle apart from what everything we had on at the time which were pretty much normal clothes apart from the one guy who was in cycling kit and he had the bike, so they'd taken all our food, supplies, um, the spare bike, it had all gone. But they're obviously um, kind thieves, if there's such a thing, because in the front of the car, they'd left a bin bag with our passports, <laughs> which you're like, what the hell? You've stolen all this stuff, and you, you've been kind enough to leave our passports. It was almost like they didn't want us in the country or something. God. And I took food as well we took everything mate it was just um, incredible but what happened was um we we rang the charity and sort of explained that we ballsed up a bit Mm. not a bit a lot and um they put a post out on social media and it was a local charity called for luca and it was insane literally the donations um just went around like a clock you'd update it every 30 seconds and there'd be another 100 pound another 100 pound 75 pound and by the end of that duration only a few hours we'd raised close to ten thousand pounds from people just literally like what the hell's happened to these guys people feeling sorry for us and it was one of those times when you sort of you saw the worst of humanity and the best in such yeah. a short time and we had no excuses once all that money came in we we're like i'm hell bent on finishing this we're going to finish it somehow and what we ended up doing we had the one bike so we could still do the relay the other bike was only a backup should we say and we managed to complete the cycle but we only had one bit of cycling kit really so we were sharing the whole kit for the duration which was absolutely disgusting so you can imagine four or five guys sharing a cycling kit for a few days oh god and, uh, <laughs> not necessarily physically challenging but mentally and sort of yeah. back so much that would be one of the testing most testing times as well gosh didn't realize people could be so evil i know but I, I guess they saw an opportunity didn't they they saw a van full of amazing stuff and took it not that I'm condoning it but did they realize what you were doing like for charity did they just think you were yeah. off on an adventure that's really harsh you know there's a photo of us at the start just outside the coliseum and that we're all lined up and we're like chuffed as you know chuffed to be there red excited and little do we know in the background we're just being robbed and everything's being taken from us so oh, God. i know it was nice that the charity helped you and and you know people whipped around so you could get it all done it was fantastic, and it, like I said, it gave, it, it made, it, we were buzzing off, yeah. off the back of it. And we, there was no way we weren't doing it. Yeah, and it kept you going then, gave yeah. you more of a reason then to complete it. Exactly, mate, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, two major events day that happened, and one of which is, you know, at Badwater Physical, you know, that's quite quite scary what, what happened, you know, you know, being knocked out almost from from that pain physically um what what do you attribute you know your success to you know when you complete these crazy crazy (laughs) runs and 
um, endurance events. What do you attribute the success to? You know, what do, what keeps you motivated? Yeah, um, a lot of things. Oh, I say a lot of things. There's a couple of things, really. Um, every challenge I do, I attach it to charity. Um, in a way, I guess it's a selfish reason because it gives you that reason for not giving up when times get tough. And it gives you that connection. It me- means you hold on that little bit longer till things get a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you want to do good for charity and you can raise money and awareness off the back of, you know, when you run across Death Alley, the hottest place on earth, people, you know, they, they, they donate, which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh, and massive motivation in my life is my wife she's very inspirational and she's always there with me although she she doesn't come to Death Valley because she's not the best flyer I know but um she is always there and literally in the lead up to it she is on top in terms of like making sure that the crew that are coming out with me are like rehearsed on what to do as well yeah yeah that's a huge motivator to me but um in terms of actually getting it done as well I'm not the fastest of runners but I, I I like to think I have a good layer of grit I think the right term is where I guess life was sort of over these last 10 years and sort of beyond that as well, it sort of taught me a lot of life lessons. You, you go through a lot of crap, don't you, throughout mm-hmm. your life, and it sort of it gives you another layer of sort of resilience. And I think every ultra running or somebody that does it does have a layer of grit to them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's obviously a crazy grit that you've got <laughs> and massive, you know, resilience to be able to do what you do and complete it but I'm really glad that you um that you said one of your reasons was was charity and that um that in like you you described as like a almost selfish reason that you know you're able to do that and it keeps you going but I'm I'm glad that you raised this point because I think sometimes as runners we may think that we can't ask to raise money for charity because you're almost doing something that you love and that you practice on a weekly, some for some people, a daily basis. So to yeah. ask um, friends, family, loved ones for sponsorship for a charity when you're doing something that you love and perhaps don't find difficult, you know, i.e. getting up and going for a run. Um, mm-hmm. But but you put it so well, you know, yes, okay, you might be doing these uh, events that perhaps you know maybe the average person isn't doing so in which case people are going to help you and sponsor you but I do think perhaps we should um you know be able to feel like we can ask for sponsorship if we're raising money for charity I know a lot of people do shy away from it so I'm glad that you mentioned charity and raising money yeah it's something which um like I said I've attached it to every challenge I've done and it's surprising the amount of keep donating it's I've got an amazing network of friends and family um, who support me on these things and it, it wouldn't be possible without them yeah um okay so final question for you um okay. if you if you could hear anyone else on this podcast who who would it be oh that's a that's a tricky one that's a very good one yeah um, famous like, or anybody um so technically they've got to be still still living amongst us because then yeah it can kind of I can't I can't magic people back alive so like I like to ask um this question just out of curiosity and if if someone names someone I could perhaps get in touch with connect with um obviously the really elite famous people I might not be able to do so but it is it's just nice to hear who other runners think they'd love to hear from do you know what? You, you, all these like ultras and stuff you hear of, and you think they're like ultra famous, but actually, if you just drop them a message online, they're like you said. You said earlier, the community is amazing, and that that goes up to every level of runner. Yes. It's, 
they're, they're really open to talking or sharing advice. Like last year, I was like not bombarded, but I had messages of good luck from these runners that I've always looked up to. Like a lady called Mimi Anderson, who's an incredible lady Shut from the UK. Really? Yeah, doing well. And then she they, she gives me little bits of nuggets of advice, which she's yeah. been out there and done it herself. So you, you're going to trust in it. Um, yeah. there, however, though, if you were to get one person on the show, or if you could go after them, I'd say a guy called Marshall Ulrich. Um, Marshall, me, Marshall Ulrich. He's an American chap, and he's little over here. I don't know if a lot of people have heard of him, but he is Mr. Death Valley himself. He is crossed. Bad, the bad water route more than anybody else and I, I think it's over 20 times he's done that route which is an incredible feat by himself like but he's done some amazing things in his life that he's done the seven summits he's been to the top of Everest um he's circumnavigated around the edge of Death Valley National Park so like the hottest place on earth he went out and like buried water every 30 miles water cache and then went out and ran around the whole bloody place by himself and his, uh, and his buddy as well it was the guy is just on a different level. He's just unbelievable. And he's inspired me to sort of go after yeah. well, things which you don't think were possible. Yeah, brilliant. We'll have to look into that. I'll um, make sure I get that properly from you now in a minute. Oh, oh, gosh, that was so Welsh. That was so Welsh, wasn't it? <laughs> now in a minute. <laughs> it was lush, that was. <laughs> Pardon? It was lush. <laughs> that was lush. Yeah, that was definitely Welsh. Um, well, thanks so much for your time today, Reese. I really, really appreciate it. And it was just amazing to hear about all your crazy crazy experiences i'm sure all the listeners will have enjoyed um if you just let them know where they can find you how they can connect with you and just a reminder with regards to where to find pegasus ultra running yeah of course um so you can find me on facebook reese jenkins it's about the welsh way r-h-y-s or instagram i am rjenko11 and yeah i'm on there you can sort of follow me and see what i'm up to on a day-to-day basis and then you've got pegasus so pegasus ultra running we're on twitter facebook and instagram so you can keep it up to, up to date on what races we've got coming and charity challenges we're doing um yeah we, we, we we're a social bunch so we shall we say perfect definitely will want to to sign up to one of those races when i'm fit and well fantastic that'd be cool well thank you very much for your time and i'll speak to you again soon thank you for having me you you're really welcome take care have a good one thank you guys so much for joining today and listening to not another runner podcast please tell your friends and family who you think would enjoy the content i'll be sharing don't forget you can get in touch with me over on instagram via not another runner Let me know your thoughts on the podcast, any suggestions on guests or topics. This is greatly appreciated. Send me your questions through as well if you want and use the hashtag why I run to be featured. And hey, if you can hit subscribe to the podcast, this will really help me to be able to give you more. Thank you again. And remember when you get up and exercise or go for a run, you never regret going, but you always regret not going. Have a great week guys and speak soon.